Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your worship today. You may be seated. As you're seated today, if you'll open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, you can follow along with the YouVersion Bible app with the points in the scriptures as we go today. And um, as you're finding Acts chapter 1, I just want to let you know that over the next few weeks, we're heading into uh, a very busy month of May with a lot of different things going on. Next week is Mother's Day, so we're going to have a great day celebrating our moms. So bring your mom, bring your grandmother, and be here next Sunday. Two weeks from today is Love Your City Sunday. And on that Sunday, we will not gather, but we will scatter. And if you've not signed up to be a part of Love Your City Sunday, we need you to do that. Uh, There is something for everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, to do on that day. And uh, let me just remind you and be clear, we'll have no worship services that day. We will meet at 8 o'clock here on campus, uh, and we will go out and disperse and serve our community. And if you want to be a part of that, the first step is to register online. I need you to do that this week because we are compiling the teams and putting everything together so that um, a week from now I'll have even more details on what that's going to look like. And then three weeks from today is Graduate Recognition Sunday, so we've got a lot going on. And I said all that to say this, we're in this message series today on the Holy Spirit, and uh, I was thinking that week three I would finish up, but uh, there's no way I can get through everything I need to say and unpack that there is still to say about the Holy Spirit, and you don't want to be here till Tuesday. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause this series, and we're going to come back to it on June the 4th, and we're going to do a couple more weeks, okay? So as you listen today, if, you think, if you're thinking, he never talked about filling the blank about the Holy Spirit, well, we're going to get to it, but it might be June. So here we go, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, we pray your anointing upon your word. We pray your anointing upon me and my lips that I can deliver, Lord, what you've laid on my heart for this day, and I pray your anointing on your people, that they will receive this word. We pray for transformation. We pray for life change. We pray that we will be empowered as a result of what we hear today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
I'm sure that everybody here at some point has seen a product advertised that maybe one of those as seen on TV uh, commercials is coming up on the screen that you thought, if I could just get this product, it would revolutionize my life, my yard, my kitchen, my organizational skills, my kids. And I don't know if you're like me, I've bought some of these and been very disappointed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It doesn't, it doesn't do what it says on the, on the commercial. It doesn't live up to the hype. And I was driving in on Thursday morning, and I was, I was in my, my car. And I'm coming in, I'm sipping my coffee, and I'm thinking, so Les, what have you bought? What did you buy that lived up to the hype? That was everything that it was advertised to be and more. What was it, Les, that you bought that was that great and amazing? And no lie, I had a Moses and God moment, and I remembered what God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? No lie, I'm looking and I'm like, oh, that's it. It's this 20-ounce Yeti Rambler coffee tumbler that seven and a half years ago I paid $40 for. And I thought, you've got to be crazy spending $40 on a coffee tumbler. But I had heard the reports. I had seen people use them. I kind of wanted to be cool, I'll be honest, like everybody else and walk around with my Yeti. But I can tell you that since that day, it transformed my life because I don't go anywhere without this. I take it on vacation. I don't drink coffee around the house in a coffee mug or a coffee cup. I drink it from this. Why? Because it does what it's supposed to do. It's easy to handle. It's the right amount of coffee to start my day it doesn't dribble, it keeps it tight, and most importantly, it keeps it hot. It performs as advertised. And the people at Yeti can send me some money for that endorsement, okay? <laughs> it probably won't happen. But it's a pretty awesome product. And I got to thinking about how that's a whole lot like what we've been talking about the last few weeks when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We've been in the words of Jesus in John 14, 16, and in this passage, Jesus is advertising. He's announcing the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he's told his disciples that it will be better for them if he leaves because the Holy Spirit's going to enable them to do greater things. And we've learned in this series that Jesus said, okay, listen, guys, the Holy Spirit is God. Let's review it. He's a person. He's another helper. He is the Spirit of truth. He'll be with us and in us. We learned last week that Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to teach, he's going to remind, he's going to provide peace, he's going to convict, he's going to guide because he is the parakletos. He is another one who is uniquely gifted to come alongside and assist. Jesus says he's not something to use, he's someone to know. And then right before Jesus ascends to heaven, and on Resurrection Sunday, he reminds his disciples of the conversation he had with them the night before he went to the cross. And he tells them, "Here's guys, here are the specifics of what you've got to do to receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that the disciples wondered, will he be as great as advertised? Will and can the Holy Spirit live up to the hype? Will he be a disappointment like other uh, made you know, TV products? Or will he be the 20-ounce Yeti Rambler coffee tumbler that does everything it's supposed to do and exceeds expectations? Well, perhaps some of you are asking that question today as well as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and wondering, do I really need the Holy Spirit? 
Isn't Jesus enough? And I began to think about that this week, and I really began to dive deep into the lives of the disciples to see what did the disciples do after Jesus ascended and, and before the Holy Spirit and after the Holy Spirit, and how were they changed? And I saw four things in Scripture that I want to share with you today, four things I learned about these disciples. I learned that they were obedient, they were dependent, they were confident, and they were consistent. Can we all say that together loud and proud this morning? The disciples were obedient, dependent, confident, and consistent. So first of all, we see that they are obedient. Now, when I talk about the disciples this morning, I'm not just talking about the 11. We're going to use that term to describe the 120 who were in the upper room in Acts chapter 1. So we're talking about 120 people when we talk about the disciples and we spent the last two weeks talking about who Jesus is and uh, who Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be and what the Holy Spirit would do. But after his resurrection, Jesus gives them specific instructions on, on where they should go, what they should wait for, and why they should wait for it. Look at this. In, in Luke 24, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay where? In the city. Until you've been clothed with power on high. Acts 1.4, he says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave where? Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me talk about. So let's look at that. Where? He said, all right, stay in the city, stay in Jerusalem. What? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the gift my father promised. And why? Because this gift is going to clothe you with power from on high. So what did this group of 120 do? Look at it. Acts 1.12, the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Following Jesus' commandment, his resurrection, his ascension, we see these disciples, they are obedient. Everybody say obedient. They remembered Jesus' words, perhaps, and that's what drove their obedience. Because in John 14, Jesus said, if you love me, you will Keep my commands. You'll be obedient. Stands to reason, right? And then he says, what's the result of being obedient? Then I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you another advocate, the helper of the Spirit of truth to be with you. Jesus had promised a gift, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead. And their receiving this gift was contingent on obedience. Say obedience. They had heard Jesus. They had believed Jesus. Now they obeyed Jesus. So I want to ask us this morning, do you think that obedience to the commands of Jesus is just as important for us today as it was for them then? Absolutely it is. And here's the reason why, y'all, because Jesus has abundant blessings and immeasurable gifts that he wants to distribute to us, but they are dependent upon our obedience Dependent upon us doing what we've talked about for the last month. Getting behind Jesus and not in front of Jesus. Are you with me? Not getting out front and trying to take the lead, but getting behind him. Again, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my command. So we learned, first of all, the disciples were obedient. What was the second thing we learned? We said we learned the disciples were dependent. Let's go to Acts 1, 12 through 14. When the apostles, then the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day, walked from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. 
Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, sometimes called Nathaniel and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, sometimes called Thaddeus, son of James. This isn't the Judas who's, who betrayed Jesus. This is Thaddeus. But look at what verse 14 says. They all joined together, how? Constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's pretty cool that she's there. And his brothers. So Jesus' brothers are there. And Acts 2.1 said, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And this is what hit me about this point in Scripture. It's that the disciples, the 120, they are in a gap. On one side of them, they have the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Still to come on the other side of them is the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has said to wait for. They're obedient, waiting for it. But they're in the gap. We just learned in the gap they were obedient. But here's the other thing we see. In the gap they were dependent. Because, get this, for the first time they don't have a physical present Jesus with them that they can reach out and touch and follow one who says let's get up let's go to this city let's go to that city so Jesus said wait for instructions and they are dependent upon those instructions do you think you would have been after three years of following the in flesh and blood the word made flesh and now he says wait I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do I'm gonna wait I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be dependent. And let me tell you what they were doing, what the Scripture tells us they were doing. It says they were in one place together and they were constantly in what? Listen, y'all. On the day of Pentecost, they were not seeking an emotional experience. They were not praying for tongues. This is going to mess up somebody's theology, but it's the book. They were not seeking spiritual gifts. They were not trying to speak in tongues. They were praying for the Father's promise to come. They were dependent, and I, I thought, well, what were they praying? First of all, I think they were praying the Lord's Prayer because that's how Jesus taught them to pray. I think they were praying through the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. I think they were praying for the promise. I think they were asking God to send the Holy Spirit because the way Jesus had described them, who wouldn't want that Holy Spirit? But they were not praying for an emotional experience or the gifts. They didn't know about the gifts yet. And so many times we, we visualize in that moment that they were seeking what's to come. They didn't know what was to come. And so they're dependent in this moment, waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. The word dependent by definition means needing the support of something or someone in order to bring, in order to continue existing and operating. And they were totally dependent upon God showing up in the presence of the Holy Spirit for them to continue their mission. Jesus said, don't go anywhere else. You stay here and you wait. And they followed his instructions and they were dependent upon what was yet to come. Where did that dependency come from? I believe it was a byproduct of what Jesus taught them the night before he went to the cross. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do what? They found themselves in the gap between the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus 
and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in that gap, they said, we're not moving because we know apart from him, we can do what, church? Nothing. And I got to thinking about that and I thought, we find ourselves in a gap too. Watch this. We too live in the gap between the life, death, resurrection, ascension, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this 2,000 years gap that we're in right now, and what are we waiting for now? The coming of the Lord. The rapture of the church. It might come that we meet Jesus in death because it's appointed to man once to die and then to face the judgment. But in this gap, can I tell you, we need to be just like those disciples were dependent upon the Holy Spirit, dependent upon him. I want to ask you today, how's your dependency? Are you depending upon who this country elects and puts in office? Are you depending upon your wallet or the economy or what you see around you? If you are depending on those things, I don't have to say it in 2023, you will be grossly disappointed. But when I depend and lean in on the power of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit of the Helper, I am not left without. And so I want to encourage us today that we lean back in on what we began the year talking about, that he calls us to abide in him, that without him we can do nothing. Amen? We began the year talking about this. Put it up. Abide in me. And here we are again, fleshing out this theme for 2023. That in the gap, that if we are going to be all that God has called us to be and faithful, what? Followers getting behind him. And we've got to abide in him because apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. So... The disciples were obedient and they were dependent. Before we get to the last two, I want us to talk about what happened in the gap. Because this is huge. In Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, your translation may say languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, let me stop right there. Why are there God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem at this time? This is key to understand the story because it's Pentecost. It's the festival of weeks. They have come to celebrate an Old Testament festival 50 days after Passover. The city is full of people from literally all over the known world at that time. And when those people heard this sound of 120 people speaking in other languages, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? And then Luke, who wrote Acts, gives us the list, 16 different nationalities in the city at that time. Parathians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, 
Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What did they hear? They didn't hear an unintelligible language. They heard them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Can I tell you that for 2,000 years, the church has been asking this question. The Pentecostal church and the churches who do not believe in the gifts of the Spirit and everybody in between have been asking this question. What does this mean? Do we believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost was prophesied, predicted, and preached and foretold before it happened? Well, absolutely we do. The Old Testament and the New Testament both tell us that this is going to happen. The Old Testament prophet Joel in Joel 2.28 says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Peter would get up right after this happened and he would quote Joel and saying, this is that. Matthew comes along, I'm sorry, John the Baptist comes along in Matthew 3 and he says, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, both of these examples show us that there is a distinct moment prophesied and predicted when the Holy Spirit would come. Now, this is where it gets a little confusing, and I'm going to try to do my best to to explain this in a way that, that we can wrap our brain around it. Because... We understand that when we are saved and we decide to follow Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes with us at that moment. The Holy Spirit is with you when you get saved. But there is a very specific, distinctive, different moment that the Scripture talks about. You can't deny it. There is a distinctive moment when Jesus says, wait, but there is a verse in John chapter 20 that I think sometimes we miss, and it's Resurrection Sunday. It's Jesus' first moment with his disciples on Easter Sunday evening. And in John 20, 21 through 22, it says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I heard, one, I heard someone say this week that perhaps, go back to that verse, perhaps this could represent the conversion moment and experience for the disciples. Think about that. The disciples, were they Jesus followers? Yes, absolutely, for three years. They didn't always get it right. They were up and down a lot, just like who? You and me, right, okay? We're on that same plane. But they had yet to encounter a resurrected Jesus who has died and bled 
and who has come back from the dead. And it's in this moment, I think we could safely say this was their salvation moment. This is when they were fully converted on the other side of the cross in the empty tomb. They had not had that experience yet. In their first interaction with Jesus, Jesus breathes on them. Y'all, get this. This is the same breath in Genesis 1 that breathes into dirt and dirt comes alive. So the author and finisher of our faith, the word made flesh, is breathing on those 11 disciples. And it says they received the Holy Spirit. If they received the Holy Spirit in that moment, why did Jesus say wait for the power of the Holy Spirit? Because there are two distinguishing moments. And this two distinguishing encounters, and let's, let's look at it and let's see Jesus said in Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my father's promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with what? Power from Ohio. Next screen. Acts 1.8, but you will receive what? Power. Everybody say power. power. See, that's the difference right here. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So the difference is power. Everybody say power. The difference was not tongues. The difference was not spiritual gifts. Power to be witnesses. Power to give testimony. Power to authenticate and confirm the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What does power do in your house? It activates dead things. Your TV is dead. Your HVAC unit is dead. Your microwave is dead. Your dryer is dead. Your stove is dead until power goes to it. Power activates the product to fulfill and do what it was created to do. In the same way, the power, it's on the screen, of the Holy Spirit activates the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you plug into the day of Pentecost power, then that power activates the work of the Holy Spirit. It has been said that this attribute of power is one of the most misunderstood, misrepresented, and underutilized aspects of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's true. In the Old Testament, we see the power of the Holy Spirit come on men briefly. It comes upon Joseph. It comes upon Gideon. He, I should say he, not yet. He comes upon Samson. He comes upon prophets, priests, and kings to do the things that God had called them to do. But in the New Testament, we are in a new covenant. And y'all, this changes everything. Because now the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower men for a single temporary task, but for a permanent ongoing mission. Oh, that's so good. I want you to hear it again. The Holy Spirit does not now just empower men and women for a single temporary task, but for a permanent ongoing mission. And what is that mission? That mission is our takeaway for the day, the key thought. The power of the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us to be his witnesses. Shut the door, get up and leave. That's the end. That's what we need to walk out of here and know today. 
The power of the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us to be his witnesses, not to speak in tongues, not to have all the spiritual gifts, not to run around and have chaos and confusion in a spirit-filled church, which is not of God. Mm, mm -mm. I'm not going to get aggravated this morning, and I'm getting ahead to what I'm going to talk about on July, on June the 4th. But the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us. Jesus said he will come and he will give you power to be my witnesses. And that power does demonstrate itself through the spiritual gifts. But we have spent too many times elevating the gifts above the power. Elevating the gifts even above Jesus in many Pentecostal churches. Jesus said that when the Spirit comes, he will come to glorify me, not himself. And any house that glorifies the gift more than the giver needs to get back in the Word and understand what Jesus said the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. He said he will give you power to be my witnesses to tell everybody what he's done in your life, amen? So the disciples were obedient. They were dependent. Now they are empowered. The Holy Spirit abides with them and in them to be his witnesses. So what was the result? Here's what we see in Acts. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit, these yellow-bellied, up-and-down jokers are now full of confidence they're now confident they've seen this is the sandwich they've seen the risen Jesus and they've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and that together ignites them with a confidence like they've never had before Acts chapter 2, 120 people speaking other languages with the purpose as they spill out into the streets. The scripture said that they, they heard the wonders of God in, in their own languages. People are like, what's going on? Acts chapter 2, at the end of that, somebody says in the crowd, they're just drunk. And Peter steps up to the mic. Uh, brothers, y'all remember, this is Peter, right? You remember Peter from a few weeks ago. This ain't the same Peter. Peter steps up to the mic and says, they're not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine o'clock. What you're experiencing, Peter said, was prophesied in the book of Joel. And in that moment, 16 different nationalities heard the wonders of God. And, and Peter goes on to unpack one of the most amazing sermons in all of the New Testament as he tells everything about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. One chapter later, in that same chapter, 3,000 people are saved. One chapter later, this same Peter heals a crippled beggar and then speaks to onlookers and tells them what, what's up. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they're drug into the Sanhedrin. Listen, the same people who crucified Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? They are pulled in front of the exact same crowd who crucified Jesus that they ran from to give an account for their actions. And Acts 2.8 says, Then Peter, look at this, filled with the Holy Spirit. That tells you the difference in Peter with his backbone now. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to unpack everything that Jesus has done and listen at his, his conclusion. He says, salvation is found in no one else, not in your rules, not in your agenda, not in your Old Testament garbage that you try to shove down the throats of the Jewish people. He looks at, these, at the Sanhedrin, the highest level of court in all of Judaism, and he says, there is no other name in heaven given by men by which we must be saved. And they walked out of there and listened what the conversation was after that. The Sanhedrin said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were what? And y'all, one of the most powerful verses in all the word. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Brother Jimmy, I don't know. When I read that verse every time, in my heart I think, I don't want anybody, the greatest compliment anybody could ever give me, could ever give you is to look at you and say, you have been with Jesus. Whew. What a powerful statement, y'all. This confidence that they have. Acts 5, they, they heal many. They're persecuted. And then we see them do what Jesus talked about. They've been clothed with this power and they become his witnesses. Jesus was very clear about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it last week. Look at it again. To teach, remind, provide, convict, and guide. But what we're learning today is the Holy Spirit adds one more element to that. The Holy Spirit empowers. And there's a very simple, specific, and definitive reason for the baptism, the indwelling, and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is to be his witnesses. That's what Jesus said. If you have a problem with that, you have a problem with the words of Jesus. Jesus said you will receive this power to be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us the confidence we need to be his witnesses. And too often we have been taught and we have heard preaching and then we have understood that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is primarily to administer spiritual gifts. Not so according to Jesus. Does the Holy Spirit give spiritual gifts? Do not walk out of this room today and quote your pastor and say, well, our pastor don't believe in speaking in tongues and the spiritual gifts. You are not hearing what I'm saying today. I'm saying we have gotten the cart before the horse. And the reason why, and we're going to talk about the gifts on June, June 4th. The reason for the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and interpretation in tongues and faith and healing and knowledge and miracles, the reason for all of those things is always to bring glory to Jesus, not to have a holy hoedown and to try to get up here and crank it up. And then people leave confused and frustrated because they don't know what's going on. Whew. 
If you're lacking confidence, you need the power that the baptism of the Holy Spirit brought to the disciples to come to life in your life. If you're lacking the confidence to be the witness that God's called you to be, and you love Jesus, and you're sold out, you're behind him, but you're having a difficult time being the witness to your family and your friends the way that you know God's called you to be, this is what you need today. You need the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you to be a witness for him. The power of the Holy Spirit, again, abides with us and in us to be his witnesses. So let's wrap this up. The disciples were obedient. They were dependent. They were confident. And then as you guys give me some background music, we see finally that they were consistent. That was a word that would not have been used about these men in the Gospels. (laughs) Nobody looked at that group of 12 and said, well, those guys are pretty consistent. Because they did a a lot of ups and downs, right? And as I was reading through Acts 1, 4 through 8, our text that we read earlier this morning, I noticed something. Now, y'all, this is just classic disciples in Jesus. Jesus says to them, okay, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift. You've heard me speak about it. The Holy Spirit is coming. And the scripture says in, in Acts 1, 6, now Jesus has just said, Wait, the Holy Spirit is coming. And their response is on the screen. They gathered around him and it said, Hey, Lord, um, I get that, but um, what about this kingdom thing? I mean, you, you rose from the dead, but we're still under Roman rule. When are you going to do something about that? When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus probably didn't do this because he was so patient and loving to these guys. But you would think he would have gone. Like you guys do with your kids sometimes. You're like, you're just not getting it. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And then he gets to verse 8 and he says, let's get back on track, guys. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Can I tell you something this morning? This is the last time the disciples ask or are concerned about the kingdom question. We don't hear them talking about it. They don't write about it in their epistles and their letters. It's like it goes out the door. Why? Because they become empowered with the Holy Spirit and the only thing they're worried about is being a witness for Jesus. They're not worried about Rome. They're not worried about the occupation. They are mostly concerned about whether or not they are being witnesses of all that Jesus has done inside of them. Their focus and their mission changed. Jesus told them before he ascended in Matthew 28, go make disciples baptize people, teach them. Mark 16, go into the world and preach the gospel to all people. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. 
the book of Acts, and I would encourage you, if you want to know what to read this, this week, over the next few weeks, read through the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us that these disciples were obedient, dependent, confident, and consistently doing that. They were making disciples. They were teaching. They were going into all the world. Look at how Acts lays out. Acts 1 through 7 in Jerusalem. They stayed right there. The church was born. Acts 8 through 12, they moved to, Jesus said, Judea and Samaria, and the church is scattered because of the persecution of Stephen. And in Acts 13 through 28, they go to the ends of the known earth at the time as Paul begins to spread out with his missionary journeys and the church is extended. This up and down, erratic, unpredictable group of men and women have finally settled into an unprecedented consistency in their purpose and their mission. What made them so confident? What made such a difference? Are you ready for it at 9 o'clock? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul would say it like this in Romans 8, 11. He said the difference is now the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That made the difference. The same Holy Spirit that breathed life into the dead, cold body of our Savior is living inside of you and me. Wow. And that was the difference. So listen, if we're going to be consistent, and my goodness, would anybody agree that the church in America needs to do a much better job of being much more consistent? Can I get a better amen this morning? For some of us to be as consistent as the early church was, we need to deal with a recurring sin in our life. Some of you, you're not consistent because you are not willing to crucify the flesh and totally come under the lordship of Jesus. Some of you, your lack of consistency is due to the lack of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when will we get to the point where we realize it's just not enough for us to come here and celebrate and sing and feel and learn and grow and, and make sure our kids and our grandkids get to heaven. But there is a world outside of us that we are called to reach the people who don't want to be reached, the people who frustrate you, the people who are under the LGBTQ, the people at Walmart who are the worst ones of them all, or my goodness, Dollar General. I found myself in one of them the other night, and I thought, I walked out and got in the car, and I had this look on my face. And I told Trust, I said, that is where all sanctification goes to die. I said, I have got a lot more work to do, a lot more work to do. But the power of the Holy Spirit, our thought for today, abides with us and in us to be his witnesses. As the worship team comes in this morning, let's finish this up today. So here's what we've learned today. The disciples were obedient. They were dependent. They were confident and they were consistent. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us to be his witnesses. Can we say that together this morning? The power of the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us to be his witnesses. As we finish up this morning, I want to share with you a quote from Pastor Chris Hodges, who pastors Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, from his book, Fresh Air, and he says this. When we read the book of Acts, it becomes clear that God didn't give us his spirit as an option, but a necessity. The Holy Spirit is our lifeline to the Father. He's the one who empowers us to become who we were created to be. Look at this. Our enemy knows that if we all embrace the Spirit and access His power in our lives, then we'll experience unprecedented revival, healing, and reconciliation. Can I just stop right there and say, that's why the enemy confuses so much about the Holy Spirit and confuses us about what it's all about because if he can keep us confused, go back to that previous screen, then we will not experience revival and healing and reconciliation if we're already, always chasing our Pentecostal tail. Well, that's weird, ain't it? But that's how a lot of times it is. But if we get this right, Pastor Chris says in the last screen, we will become like the church described in Acts where thousands discovered Christ and hundreds were healed in his name all in one day. Amen? So, the answer to the question is the Holy Spirit as good as advertised. Does he live up to the hype? The answer is yes. And the difference is when I carry him with me every single day. He keeps my life warm when I'm cold. Oh, I'm about to preach about a Yeti. <laughs> He's there when I need him. He gives me much more power and strength and energy. And there's a fellow brother in coffee right there. Brother Tom, don't be stealing my cup. I know you're looking at it. I know you love coffee like I do. But the Holy Spirit gives us more power and strength and energy because those four cups, they'll wear off, especially probably wear, especially be wearing off here in just a few minutes. But the Holy Spirit lives. What have we said over the last few weeks? With us and in us. He is beside and inside. And that power has come to what? He gives us power to be his what? Power to be his what? We're going to get to the spiritual gifts. The gifts are there. And I want to be a part of a church where they're in operation because they're biblical. And we're going to get to that. But today... As you stand this morning, I want us to think about our need in our lives for the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads today.
Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the clarity that your word brings about things that sometimes can be very confusing. And Lord, today I pray this morning as we come to you that, Lord, you would fill us fresh and new with the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be the witnesses that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing a song, a little bit of a song just to just to enter into his presence and then I'm going to come and we're going to pray together this morning. But how many of you would say, Pastor, I need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to be a better witness for him. Can you raise your hand today? Well, that's all over this house today. Can we just welcome him here right now by this song? Come on, Cody, lead us in this today.
I want to pray over us today and I want to pray through and over you and I want you to receive this and as I'm praying I want to ask you to pray as well if you'll put those four points that we talked about up on the screen and I want to pray those over us and then we're going to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us today amen Father, today we identify in this house that we need to be more obedient like your disciples, more obedient to your word. God, give us the strength and the power that comes from your spirit to walk in obedience. Will you just pray that in your own way right now? Calling on Jesus, calling on the Father, calling on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in obedience. Convict me of my sin clean out the stuff in my closet that needs to go. Purify my mind. God, enable us to walk in obedience because that's where it starts is an obedient life. Lord, give us a holy, spirit-filled determination to fight the flesh who's fighting for its life and walk in freedom. Secondly, today we pray God, for a dependency, that we will live dependent upon you. Lord, forgive us for being dependent upon Washington. Forgive us for being dependent upon our pocketbooks. Forgive us for being dependent upon our health and things going well. Lord, your word says to us that we must abide in you, for apart from you we can do nothing. So today we ask you and cry out that you would help us and enable us to walk with a greater dependency. If I'm talking to you today, will you lift your hands right now and will you say, God, I need to walk with a greater dependency on you. God, I've got my eyes on the things of this world and it's bringing me down. And Lord, I need to walk in a dependency every moment, every day, walking dependent upon you, knowing I can't take another step without you. Lord, we pray for that dependency today. Lord, that when we start pulling away, you would draw us back near toward you. We repent today of all the things we're dependent on other than you. And Lord, we want to walk in dependency today. Father, we pray today, Lord, that you would fill us with confidence. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, fill us with confidence, Lord Jesus, to walk this out every day. Give us confidence to share with our unsafe friends and family members. Give us the words to say to those that we pass in and out in our situations. God, those people that we've been trying to reach, refill us with the confidence of the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses. And God, we pray today finally for consistency. Lord, we pray for consistency in our lives. That, Lord, for those of us who have been up and down and up and down and in and out, we pray that we would walk in the consistency that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Nobody looking around before we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask today, there might be somebody here today who before you pray for that, before before. Anytime the Holy Spirit was administered in the book of Acts, they heard about Jesus, and we've heard about Jesus, and they were given an opportunity to follow Jesus. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor, the first thing I need to do, I'm, I'm up for all that power and confidence and consistency, but I need to commit my life to Christ 
first. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody here today say, I just need to get behind Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Him today. Is that anybody in the house? I don't see any hands, so I want to continue to pray. We're going to pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. And I want to simply to pray the words of Jesus that we are clothed with power from on high and that we are baptized with the Holy Spirit so we can be His witnesses. Right now, Father, we ask You right now to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses, will you lift both hands right now to Him? I pray right now that we are clothed with power from on high. I pray that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit so we can be your witnesses. God, I ask you to do such a transformative work in our lives that people will look at us and they will take note that we have been with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with your power. We need your power to be your witnesses. So fill us up right now. Will you just pray your own prayer, seeking him and asking him, just ask the words that Jesus spoke, that you will be clothed with power from on high, that you'll be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can be his witness. Will you pray that right now? You don't need me to lay hands on you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need some super duper preacher to come by and blow on you or throw on you or anything like that. In the name of Jesus, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
saying, miracle can happen in my life, can happen through my witness. Spirit. Thank you that you walk with us and you are in us. Thank you that you empower us to be your witnesses. Lord, we don't want to seek your hand. We want to seek your heart. And your heart is for people. So Lord, use the gifts that you've placed in us and through us in the body so that we can reach a lost and dying world around us. And Lord, we pray that what was spoken over Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 will be spoken over our lives. That when people see our lives, they would take note that we have been with Jesus. That we have been in your presence. That we have been transformed by your power. Mm. Grant it, Lord, in my life. Grant it in the lives of your people today, Jesus. Amen. I want to challenge you over the next several weeks. This is your assignment. We're taking a three-week break from this series. We'll be back on June the 4th. Read through the book of Acts between now and June 4th, and you will see what we've been talking about this morning, the confidence that the disciples had, the consistency that they had. And if you are praying and seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen to me. Don't seek the gift. That, that's where we all get confused, and we've been given some very bad theology. Again, what we said this morning, they were not seeking the gift. They were seeking the giver. They were seeking the power to be what? To be witnesses. And when we get the, the, the horse in front of the cart, then we can get aligned with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And then He'll administer those gifts, as Paul says, as He desires for each of us. So don't sweat the gifts part, okay? Don't beat yourself over that part. Just desire that the Holy Spirit will live in you so you can be a witness for Him. Amen? I love you guys. Thank you for your attentiveness to the Word. Thank you for what God's doing in your life. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. <laughs>